Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Andre DePuisto. I'm the founder of Lone Wolf Portable Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. All right, well, we got Dan on the line. And I started thinking, I probably shouldn't have shared those pictures. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we got Don Higgins on. Um, anything that's got to do with uh, chasing big deer, I've got my hands in it somehow. So. Well, my name's John Eberhardt. The first one that comes to mind was early in my career. I'm Scott Buckley from Iowa. Um, I had jumped him in the summer, too. He jumped up in that swamp grass down in the bottom lake. And, uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm chasing it. There ain't nothing stopping me. Justin Hollinsworth. I'm with Whitetail Addictions and uh, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So what are we talking about tonight? We're, uh, we're talking about the one that got away. We talked about a deer that we didn't get it done on for some reason. Um, so uh, go ahead and get into the story of the one that got away. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast, coming in your ear holes, and a huge shout out if you're still listening to us in January here, um, late January. Um, it's all the diehard deer hunters that are listening to us right now, and uh, can't appreciate you guys enough for tuning into the show. Um, we're going to keep the content pumping every week, even though it's out of season, and we got a damn good show for you guys this week. We're talking to Alex from the deer development. Guy had an absolute incredible year. Um, killed a Wisconsin buck, killed a Minnesota buck on a hanging hunt on public, then went North Dakota public and killed a buck and his dad killed a buck out there. So he's going to break down the season for us. Absolute epic year. Um, but before we do that, let's get into the people that make this possible. Let's start it with Exodus. Um, this week I want to cover their SP solar panel, SP 18 solar panel. Um, this is something that I'm going to throw into the arsenal next year. I'm going to hang some mobile cams into some spots that are really, really, really hard to get to. And I'm going to run this mobile cam. Um, you can expect months of performance with, without changing batteries. So this is great for those really, really hard to reach spots or maybe an out-of-state spot where you're not going to be able to get to, but you want that constant battery to uh, be able to not have to worry about 
that camera malfunctioning at all. So the solar panels are really compact. They have a mount that goes right up on the tree, cable that hooks to your camera, and you are set after that. So I'm going to get a couple of these and uh, try them out this year. Um, let's start off with the next one with Rideon Optics, guys. I was digging through there, and uh, they have a thing called Rideon uh, University, or University. And there is a ton of videos on there, and it's covering a bunch of their products, how to set them up, how to sight them in, and then also just a lot of basic shooting and advanced shooting tactics to make yourself a better better uh, target shooter and a better hunter. Um, I, I dug into there for a couple hours and didn't even touch the amount of videos that they have. A lot of good content in there. If you really like shooting or love gun hunting like we do, um, that's on their website at rightonoptics.com. And it's called the Riton Uni University. Um, Black Rifle Code, you can use black, uh, code Whitetail Legacy, save you 20% off on Black Rifle Coffee. And uh, next level, guys, um, these dudes from Next Level, they're really good friends of us, Scott and Nate, the owners. And uh, one of them's son's having a lot of health issues right now, and he's in the hospital. So we just want to give a special shout out to them on this show. And if you guys are the praying type, put another, uh, add another prayer to the list for the next level guys. Um, they're going through a lot with their kid right now. So uh, just add it. If, you, if you're the praying type, add it to the list. And uh, we really appreciate it. And like I said, we appreciate you guys being here. Um, you can watch this on YouTube if you want to see uh, me and Alex bounce back and forth um, and actually probably be able to see some of the bucks that he's going to have on the film tonight. Um, and you get to see my big ugly face on the other side. So, all right, let's stop beating around the bush and get right in. Here we go. All right, we got Alex Skelly on from the Deer Development Man. How you doing tonight? Man, I'm great. Uh, thanks for having me on, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate you working with us. We've been trying to line this up for a while. We were kind of joking there at the when we first started talking about. It. We were trying to line it up, but at kind of at the middle of the season but then how your season went it's kind of good we waited so you could tell the whole story i had to have you on a second time to get the part two and now we can just get it all in one rip <laughs> yeah man no no doubt that it'll be a uh no shortage of a story here it was pretty uh productive nice all right well tell the listeners a little bit about yourself uh so my name's alex skelly i'm actually a local real estate agent in minnesota I live in the South Metro, so it's Minneapolis and St. Paul. I live on the south end of the Twin Cities in the suburbs. And, uh, you know, I, I moved down here back in 2019. I grew up in northern Minnesota, actually uh, kind of cut my teeth on hunting the big woods up there. And it's a, it was a totally different ball game than, you know, where I live at down here. It's more farm country and, and rolling hills and that sort of thing. So. I've um, been living down here about three, little over three years now, and uh, I tell you, my uh, passion is chasing whitetails. Nice, yeah, and then you had an absolute incredible season. We're gonna go over it, but killed three bucks um, October fifth on your sixth set, uh, October twenty sixth on your eighth set, and then your eleventh set, November ninth. I mean, man, that's that is badass, dude. You had shit pinned down. Um, you have been messaging us about your first buck, the non-typical, the year yeah. prior, uh, about how he, you know, you would you're following him for the year, and this year he was throwing a bunch of cool shit, and we were kind of sharing some trail camera pictures. And um, yeah. the day I seen seen you had him, you messaged that you were down. I was like, man, that's badass. I love 
you know, you got the podcast, so you get to meet these people and talk to them that you never would have met otherwise, you know what I mean? And then you get to see them be successful. I absolutely love it when the shit goes together. So uh, yes, dude. let's just start off on that buck, you know, this, you know, number six set. I know you'd had a few sets before that on him, but go ahead and, and start off with that buck. Um, so that was a deer that I actually, uh, where I'm located at, I think it'd be cool. Honestly, your listeners would probably find it uh, pretty interesting how I got onto that farm in the first place. If you're into that, um, kind of geographically how it lays out, I'm only like 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border and, uh, Minnesota being a one buck state. Um, and I usually, uh, more like a majority of the time I'll fill my tag, um, come November in Minnesota. And I wanted more time to be able to hunt in the early season and potentially be able to fill two tags. And, you know, the Wisconsin tags, it's only like 160 bucks for a non-resident. So I decided once I moved down to the uh, Twin Cities area, I was going to go across the river and hunt Wisconsin. And uh, do it. I back in 2019, I mapped out, I think I pinned 20 spots on Onyx that I deemed to be worth door knocking. Like I was looking to get into some private land, right? Dude, I went out there and I knocked on 20 doors that I had pinned that I map scouted already. I got 20 no's or nobody answered the door. So I, at that point I went through all my pins and I was just looking on my map because I had gone so far into Wisconsin. Right. And I pinned two more spots and I was like, well, I'm this far in there. I might as well go knock these and call it a day. Right. Dude, I go and knock on the last door and this guy, and I'm just, I, I'm not paying him anything. I like at this point, um, and I've, I've duplicated this enough to where I can tell you that it works, man. I go knock on their door and I, I pitch it to him essentially like, Hey man, I'm not looking for a handout here. If you have any physical labor work around the farm, you know, farmers are always busy doing stuff. If I can somehow, you know, pay you in labor or helping you out one way or another in allowing me to hunt, I would appreciate it. And sure enough, man, my, the 22nd door I knocked on there, this guy let me into 1100 acres. It's Holy a dairy, shit. dude, it's a dairy farm. And, uh, since then I've killed, I got in there early 2019. And in the last three years, I've killed three big bucks on that farm. And, uh, so but now backtrack. So I just kind of wanted to share that. I think that's pretty cool, man. And, yeah. you know, a lot of people are into the leasing and, and that sort of thing nowadays. Don't you, you boys lease some land, don't you? Yeah, we got some permission and some lease. Uh, it's hard to get anybody. There's so many outfitters and shit and people that lease around here. It's hard to get permission on. Um, and the one permission that we do have, it is a work permission. I take care of a migrating bird, bird colony of purple martins. Yeah. In the really? summer. Yeah. <laughs> and then we, we burn the, there's a prairie ground and we burn 20 acres of prairie every other year. Okay, so right. the, the purple Martin um, nest is actually a shitload of work, dude. If you don't okay. know. Yeah. Like you got to go out there and eliminate the sparrows and the blackbirds and only save the purple Martins. And it's like 75 nest. You got to go out there weekly and check them. And the purple Martins have a certain egg and you save those eggs. You get rid of the other eggs. Um, and these birds migrate to Mexico and then they'll come back 
to this place every year and this colony like helps the population pretty much so Mm -hmm. um it's pretty cool but it's a shitload of work going out there every weekend and and pulling out bird eggs you know out of these nests (laughs) yeah of course but it's worth it to be able to hunt ground man whatever it takes exactly and comparing that like would you rather do some labor for the guy or pay thousands of dollars for a lease you know what i'm saying yeah like uh i've done my fair share of random things on that farm but uh comparing what you'd pay for a lease price for a thousand acres it's and i'm it's not like i'm the exclusive hunter there this family is what uh it's like a wisconsin heritage dude these guys they get everybody and their brother together and come the gun season which is like thanksgiving in wisconsin dude they drive everything and they they have some pretty good success doing it but as far as like you know the whole early season wisconsin opens up like september 15th and so like the 15th of september all the way till thanksgiving there's only like me and one other guy on this place hunting so Nice. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. But yeah. anyways, uh, so how this played out is I, I found this buck. Um, I got him last year and I think he was, in my opinion, he was a three-year-old and he was pretty identifiable. He had like super big white patches or like a round spot around his eyes. So I could clarify what this deer was. And last year it was like a big seven pointer. And I believe he was, yeah, like I said, probably three. And then this year, I don't know what happened to him if he got, you know, like a wound or something like that. And uh, I got pictures of him in like June and he was growing this big on the on his left pedicle, dude. He was growing this big, goofy drop tine. It looked like a growth or something down the side of his head because it was just super. It, it was thick, super mass. And like it's only probably six inches long. And then he grew a cluster of points going up in a big hanger that that went up the other side and or that same non-typical side um so i started calling him hanger and uh he ended up having like 13 scorable points and his one his one side was completely typical it was like a five point and if it would have matched both sides he would have been like mid 140s so super solid buck but uh anyways i watched him throughout the summer and after hunting this farm for like three years and I had it pretty, I have it pretty well figured out, you know, and, uh, it's a, it's not bluffs. It's, it's like, a it's rolling hill country of, uh, they have a big crop rotation because all their food just goes to the cows. It's all, it's all, uh, you know, fed to them. So, um, the hills and their land get probably, it's probably 200 feet in elevation change. And, um, Anyways, watching this buck grow from like June, I had some cell cams out there and uh, regular trail cams. And I, I, it's pretty easy to glass this property because you can get up on some of these hills and watch over, do the whole, the whole bottom and everything where they come out to feed at night. So I've been watching this deer and like a week before season, I went out there and uh, this buck hanger came out and uh he was with a bachelor group, a little or smaller deer and fed around out there. And I figured it would be a pretty, like I knew based upon where he came out, I was pretty confident where he was bedding at, ended up going in there on opener and I didn't push real deep. And I think that was kind of a, I played my cards more conservatively this year. And I think number one, that was a, that was a factor to it. Like I, 
I progressively hunted my way in instead of just diving in on the best spots deep in the timber. But uh, I hunted him on opener, saw the small group of bucks he is with, but I never saw him. And then um, hunted around the farm there, but it's, it's pretty big. It's not just a big block. It's kind of spread out. It's connected in total, like it's continuous acreage, but spread out, you know? So I hunted different areas of the farm. There was some other bigger bucks uh, around there, but he was definitely the most consistent. So fast forward, it was, like I said, only my sixth set of the season on October 5th. And uh, I had a cell cam up on top of this ridge and he's got a, the farmer this year had like a 12 acre, um, it was a cornfield on this ridge top. It was super secluded. It was like the perfect situation. And one of my cell cams went off and it was hanger right before daylight um, in the morning, working this scrape in a field edge. And on top of that, where that scrape is, is like the only entrance to a, to a ridge point where they bed. It's like a primary bedding area. And for, for the whole length of this, that's the only opening. So it's like a no brainer that this is where the deer are going to come through and there's a scrape right there. So my cell cam number one told me he was in there. He was in there that morning right before daylight. And on top of that, with the camera facing out into the field, I could see that the farmer just cut that cornfield that day. And uh, because it's all silage, you know, they, they cut it way early compared to, you know, a lot of other corn doesn't come out till sometime in November. So he cut it on like the 4th of October and I decided to go slide in there. And uh, that was, that was that night. And I got in there and um, it was a pretty quiet. I didn't see anything that evening until about 45 minutes before dark. I looked in the opposite corner of the field, which is like 120 yards away. And sure enough, he stepped out on the far end and uh, he was with a bachelor group of two other small, like year and a half old bucks. And he fed around on that fresh cut corn, but he was working my way pretty quick. Like he covered he covered 120 yards, dude, in like five, six minutes. He was, he was moving my way pretty quick. And uh, I ended up getting him. And this was my first, like, I was pretty set on um, getting, a, getting a kill on video this year with like my DSLR, not just a Tacticam, you know. So I had my, my DSLR set up and I filmed him coming all the way in. And uh, he ended up working into it was kind of tough, man. I made a, I, I would say I made a controversial shot on him because what happened there was he came into like 20 yards and mind you, there was two other bucks right there. So like getting picked off definitely could have happened. I was only like 12 feet above him in the tree and um, he was at 20 yards and I drew and right as I drew, he started walking again and he was in frame and everything it was perfect. And I was drawn and he was walking and then he turned straight at me and uh i was drawn for so long like i started to get a little shaky with it and he was facing me and he was facing me and his head was down feeding and i could so definitively see the crease between his shoulder blades that i was confident in it with my shot angle and him only being like 15 yards away i was like screw it i'm just gonna slide one between his shoulder blades and Dude, that's what I did. He was head down feeding straight at me. And that's, you know, <laughs> uh, less than ideal. But I ended up shooting him right in between the shoulder blades. 
and he took off and he only, dude, he only went like 70 yards and tipped over in the field. And uh, the other two, the smaller bucks, dude, ran out to like 200 yards and they're looking back at the big one, didn't know what the hell was going on. And they ended up doing a full loop and walking right under my stand. So that that's how that played out. Uh, yeah, I remember I, on Instagram, you were saying he's in the field and then, you know, 10 minutes later, you're like, he's down. I'm like, hell yeah, dude. I, yes, I love, love watching those stories, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun to, I try to, it's pretty fun to, not only to share with other people, but I like to go back on that stuff, you know, yeah. and be able to, to relive it. And like over time you forget details of it, but I think if you document it along the way, it's pretty fun to go easier, back on. Yeah. Easier to remember. Yeah. So that now you're what is Wisconsin a one buck state or two? I know. So how that works is you can, you can shoot one with a bow and then you can buy a rifle tag as well. So I've never, I don't really have much of an interest to rifle hunt Wisconsin because um, my family's big into deer hunting themselves. And um, I'd rather deer hunt if I do choose to gun hunt or whatnot in uh, that time of the season, I'll just hunt Northern Minnesota with my family up there or something like that. But yeah, yeah just so you're so you're, you're essentially bucked out with a bow in Wisconsin now, and then you're heading to Minnesota, correct? That's where your second buck was. Yeah, yeah, man. And I'll notion that by saying, like, truthfully, if I had to, if I had to pin one thing to it that I that I think made the biggest difference in my success this year that that allowed me to harvest three bucks, and this this frustrated me the most, man, because you hear people say it so much. And uh, my background before I decided to pursue a a career in real estate was uh, I was an industrial maintenance engineer and I worked a super typical, you know, nine to five Monday through Friday and uh, took all my time off in the rut and did that song and dance. But what, in my opinion, like what allowed me to have this success this year was the fact that when I went the entrepreneurial route of pursuing a career in real estate, I can make my own schedule. And I only hunted the days that I thought I hunted before the fronts and after the fronts and, you know, really being able to, to pick my hunts and my time to, um, work around my schedule. And, you know, I didn't have to stick to something. So, you know, the corporate America lifestyle, um, man, hunting those fronts and just, passing up the 70, 80 degree days and no wind, that bullshit, dude. I just, I hunted less and honestly killed more. That's that. I think that was the biggest addition that I can say happened to me this year. Um, so because to put it in perspective, the buck I shot in Wisconsin on the sixth, that was like a Tuesday. And then the one um, I shot in Minnesota that was on like a Wednesday. I would have never even been able to do that, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, being able to make my own schedule was, it was freaking awesome. Uh, so fast forwarding that into, uh, Minnesota, um, my intention really is because I just enjoyed deer hunting Northern Minnesota with my family and everything. We got a cabin and it's, dude, it's like guys being dudes, my uncle, my dad, we're all grinders and we're into it. And, um, my 40 acres cabin, it butts up to thousands and thousands of acres of public. And honestly, a, a lot of the times in the past, I would rifle hunt that in Northern Minnesota. And that was just our heritage. And that's what I originally grew up doing. But 
you know, in the recent past five or so years, I picked up a bow and it's just so much more of a thrill when you got them within 30 yards, you know? So, uh, I've kind of escalated that route and then I don't mean to, uh, I don't mean to open that, uh, controversial topic, but I've found so much more success, man, coming down and hunting farm country and the bluffs and that sort of area down South compared to Northern Minnesota, where it's, it's all just vast forest and that sort. Um, I mean, I've found a lot of success up there and shot some great bucks, but like my, my effort invested to the return, man, it's, it's way better down South. So yeah. Um, I just decided, uh, uh, going into, you, uh, you want the, the Minnesota part? Yeah. Minnesota yeah go, go into the second book. Yeah. All right, buck number two, and uh, correction on that, it was actually October 20th that okay. I got that one, but uh, that day, what was what was going on there is um, it had been raining off and on all day, kind of drizzling here and there, and um, I decided to, for about the last two or three years, I've, I've, scouted like in the off season, I put a lot of scouting time into Southern Minnesota and, uh, dude, there are some, Oh my God, dude, there are some slammers in Southern Minnesota. Um, what I, what I've done is in the off season, I'll go scout it right away in the spring. Or if I filled my tag, uh, I put a lot of time in like late November around Thanksgiving. And I just scouted out the sign that I found in Southern Minnesota on the public. And, uh, this, these last two years, I've ran a lot of soaker cams down there and the, the areas that I had a lot of faith in, I just run a camera all season there and then come pick it up post post season and kind of get that Intel for years to come. And, uh, from what I've seen, you know, with those soaker cams and the sign and that sort, I definitely had faith in hunting Southern Minnesota there. And, uh, dude, this buck that I, this buck that I killed in Southern Minnesota, it was definitely mature. It was like 190 pounds dressed and it was a Pope and young eight point. Um, dude, I killed this deer this year off one day of scouting in the spring, essentially. And it was, uh, I, I map scouted it and I had a lot of faith in this one public piece. I wanted to kind of boots on the ground and see what it looked like. And I talked my girlfriend into, I, I, I pitched it to her like, Hey, the, the, bluffs down there it's beautiful you know we can go hiking around she's in she doesn't have a care in the world for deer hunting but she's into hiking and that sort of thing i pitched we were like hey you know we can go down to the public land it's beautiful down there we can go see the bluffs and that sort of thing and dude we went to this public piece and i scouted it and it was tore up with sign this spring when i was i was there in like early april i think and uh i scouted this piece and I kept in the back of my mind, essentially, because dude, you know, coming in and into spring, you have the whole October, November sign. There's rubs and scrapes everywhere. I was just trying to keep it in relation to where I thought these deer were bedding because a lot of it is like vast open forest or, or, you know, like hardwoods. And it's just, you know, walking through that, you might as well keep it at a hundred miles an hour until you get into the cover. And, uh, I found a, uh, kind of a congregated piece of thick cover up in the hills. Uh, I was probably a mile into this public piece and um, found huge rubs up on this ridge. And it was like a, 
it was like a ravine essentially on a on the ridge and down there dude compared to like when i was talking about the wisconsin hills of being a couple hundred feet no man in southern minnesota it's like dude bluffs we're talking ridges um it's way bigger down there and uh i found this one piece or i found this one congregated area of thick thick cover and i when i was with my girlfriend down there in the spring and uh I thought if, if the deer were on this public piece, this is where they're going to be. And then I dropped down off the ridge and I found what I believe to be like, I thought if, if the deer were bedding here and the first thing they did before dark is drop down and work to scrape, I found one that I, that I assumed to be the primary in this area. Like there's clusters of half-hearted scrapes everywhere, but there's one that I found. It was a big, huge, wide open scrape. And I thought, if there was bucks bedded up on this ridge, the first thing that they're going to hit before dark is this scrape, right? It was only, it was right at the base of the ridge. So I pinned all this out in the spring and I thought, you know, I'm going to come back and hunt this in the fall and fast forward to, uh, fast forward to October 20th and, uh, had a drizzling rain off and on all day. And then the bottom was going to fall out. It was going to get real cold come uh like after dark and into the next day and it was a pretty high pressure day so I got down there I was a little bit behind schedule but I had my mobile set on my back and uh I scouted my way into this piece and as soon as I dropped down off the ridge um the side it looked just like the in the spring man it was tore up already and on October 20th fresh sign rub scrapes I was like yes yes dude uh so i had to i bumped one small deer as soon as i dropped down in the bottom and i had a i had to cross the river and go up onto the other side like i had a few hundred yards to go and um i was walking through some real dense cover and mind you i i didn't get to this is thousands of acres and i only got one day of scouting on this i took like a shortcut through there and uh I was walking through some thick cover and I was just a little bit behind schedule. So I was moving quicker than uh, I would like to have, but I was walking through this thick cover that I hadn't walked through prior. And all of a sudden I walk into this, I find this opening this like, I guess I, I'd call it like a John Eberhardt situation where he talks about being right, right in a small natural opening. And I get into this and there was a couple fresh rubs and three huge wide open scrapes. And I was kind of kicking myself because I was like, I was probably 300 yards short of where that primary scrape I was talking about. I was like 300 yards short of that still. But the sign looked so good there that it was like, it had I not been so, I wasn't loud, but I also wasn't really sneaking in there. I thought if there was a buck bedded close to me, which there very well could have been, I was like, I probably ruined it. So I was kind of, little disappointed on that one. Cause had I, had I not been so loud, I would have set up right there, dude, but I didn't because, because of the noise factor. So I pinned that, um, hung a camera there. Actually. I, I, you know, I didn't anticipate you never can count on a, a kill. Right. So I was hanging some cameras and I plan on coming back there again and, um, went in and, uh, I, made my way to the spot that I intended on hunting. And, um, when I was there in the spring, you know, there was that big primary, but there was a bunch of 
like small scrapes around it as well. And as I was scouting my way in there, I wasn't seeing those little scrapes and I was starting to get a little nervous, but I was like, I got to go see if the one main one's opened up. And sure enough, man, I got, I snuck into there and that one primary was wide open. I was like, yes. So I, I, at the time I didn't, I didn't pick out a tree or I didn't trim nothing. It's fairly open. It's not real open, but open enough in that bottom where I didn't have to trim anything out and, and that sort of thing. So I just picked kind of the only option I had of a tree. It was like a, it was like a 12 inch diameter maple with very little cover on it. So what I did, I only went two, two sticks high, but I got custom aiders that I made. So with two sticks, I can get, um, probably 10, 12 feet high. I was, uh, two sticks high and I faced the stand straight away from the ridge and where I, and the scrape. So I was going to essentially use the tree as cover. And I was, I had it quartered just enough to where I could lean around the tree and shoot. And, uh, yeah, I, I sat there. It was only like maybe two hours before dark. And I just, I had a ton of faith in that man. Like it felt right. Like I was sitting in that tree, like just completely anticipating I was going to see something. And, uh, it was kind of a double-edged sword dude with the, with the precipitation all day because number one it was good for me being able to sneak in there like the whole ground was covered in maple leaves and oak leaves and that sort of thing and i was able to sneak in there super quietly but um on the other end like an hour before dark the this whole bottom is full of huge hardwoods huge maples and oaks like the one i was in was only 12 inches in diameter but all the rest of them were uh, three foot across, you know, uh, big, big trees and a full hour before dark, dude, this buck, I'd never heard him coming. And this buck pops out around one of these huge oak trees at 30 yards, walking right at me, scared the hell out of me, <laughs> startled me enough to where I didn't even turn my tacticam on. Like I, it, I didn't think of it. I was just in the moment, grabbed my bow and I stood up and he walked right into that scrape. It was only like a 12 yard shot. And, uh, I ended I shot him as soon as he is like, he was just as he was going head up into that licking branch, I shot him and, uh, I hit him a little bit further, further back than ideally I would have, uh, you know, got him right behind the shoulder and he ran like 80 yards and he turned back. And he looked and he didn't know what the hell was going on. And he kind of stumbled a little bit and then he walked off into the cover. And I thought I, I thought I was, he would have tipped over, you know, right out of sight. But uh, I had my two buddies come down and give me a hand with that. And after uh, it started pouring again, after dark, you know, it was probably six 30, it started pouring and I got back to my truck and unloaded all my gear and that sort of thing. And I uh, waited for my buddies to get there. And we went in after this deer at like 9 p.m. And uh, with the rain and everything, it, it took us some time to find this buck down in the bottom. And he ended up going out into this tall grass. It was like a weed field in the bottom. And uh, it was almost like chest high grass. So like worst case scenario, because you could have walked right by him. But uh, fortunately, we wandered around out in there enough and ended up stumbling upon him. And uh yeah, that was, that was awesome. Honestly, like the worst, 
do the worst drag I've ever done hands down. Like with me and two other guys that are a lot bigger than I am. It took us, we left the truck to retrieve it at 9 PM and we got back at four 30 in the morning. It was dude miserable. And that was like my, that was my lesson learned that down in the bluffs or when you're that far back, we ended up this third buck I shot in North Dakota. We quartered it. I, I watched some videos online and, and learned how to do it that way. Got some bags and quartered it. And man, just me and my buddy uh, were able to haul that out. And it was like 10 times easier. So I think that's kind of the, the route to go with that for sure. But um, yeah, that was, that was my harvest in Minnesota. Badass going in off the, you know, previous scouting and, you know, hanging hunting on a primary scrape when they're, when they're hot and, and smoke them on the first time in, man. And badass thing about that is you got like, you only hunted that one, that one time, one spot. So you got that in the bank for the years to come as yeah. another spot to kind of slip into that time of year when, you know, especially if that sign is still in there, you know, another buck slipped in there. So yeah. All right, let's get into your third and final buck. And this one's in North Dakota, right? You went all the way to North Dakota and killed the third one. Yeah. Yeah, man. So North Dakota was uh, what I ended up doing just because uh, the, the, was the Minnesota and North Dakota gun season opens up at like the same time, or at least it did this year. And uh, I wanted to see my family, like the camaraderie for, for the gun season in Minnesota at my cabin is, you know, that's, that's some time that I want to spend with my family as well. So I already had my tag filled and I just went and hunted with them the first two days of season. And I filmed, uh, sitting with my family. And then from there we decided, uh, I talked to one of my buddies to going, uh, over to hunt North Dakota with me and their gun season just opened up at the same time. You know, there are two days into it, but it's super North Dakota is unique to where even if you're a resident, it's hard to get a gun tag in North Dakota. You're like, it's still a draw. That's, it's hard to be drawn for unless to my understanding, it's unless you, you own a certain amount of acreage, then you can get a rifle tag every year. But if you're just like a, a standard resident, it, it's still a draw. Um, so the gun, the gun season isn't quite as frenzied as you would anticipate. And uh, looking back on it, I think it actually worked in our favor, but Either way, we, we ended up going to North Dakota on November 7th and um, we got some groceries and before we even went there, like my, my worry was I didn't, cause we were just camping for our plan was to stay for five days or six days. I didn't want to leave all of our camping stuff on public land. So I called a guy and um, through I called a handful of people. Actually, I just found their information online and I found a private land piece with, it was like 80 acres. And most of it was, was just field, but I found it had a little woodlot on it to protect us from the wind because dude, the wind is brutal in North Dakota and uh, you need some sort of barrier for that. So this guy let me camp on his 80 acres there and it was buttered up to a bunch of public. And uh, we ended up, getting there at like probably noon or one o'clock on, on, uh, the seventh set up camp. And then we were going to start scouting right away. Cause, uh, my buddy shot a big buck in North Dakota, but it was on a different public piece. Neither of us had been up to this area. 
And uh, so we set up camp and we scouted the rest of that first day. And uh, I trust me, like I spent endless hours map scouting this and kind of I I narrowed it down from like 20 pins to like the five that I had the most faith in. So like the five that I would definitely want to go check out first. And I went to the number one spot first that first day and I kind of it looked so good on a map that I thought it probably had already been hunted by other people but went there anyway and sure enough it uh dude it was tore up it was full of rub scrapes everything you want to see and I wrote it off a little bit like did I really just find the spot I need to be hunting the very first the the first place I scouted like, no way it can be this easy. There just must be a lot of deer around. Um, so we used the rest of that day scouting um, on the 7th. And then come the 8th, the sunrise, like we we're going to spend the full day scouting the next day as well, because we had six days to hunt. We we're going to spend the full next day hunting or sorry, scouting. And uh, the sun just started to poke over the horizon. And we got out of our, we got out of our tent. And, uh, it was probably 15 minutes into daylight. It wasn't even sunrise yet. And we're, we had all of our gear on and we were about to go, me and my buddy were splitting up each time. Like I was dropping him somewhere and I was going somewhere else. Um, but we got out of our, our tent on the, on the, uh, the eighth, it would have been. And we saw bucks chasing a doe out in the 80 acre private field that we have access to right in front of us. It was like 300 yards away, but it was for sure like three bucks chasing a doe right out in front of us. And you couldn't just like, it was too dark still. You couldn't distinguish exactly how big the rack was, but there was one, one buck out of the three that was, it was big, like noticeably bigger than the rest and a big dark Cape, you know, like very good chance. It was a mature deer. So um, we're like, well, shit, what do we do? Uh, I am not versed in the ground game, you know, uh, not, not my, uh, not in my wheelhouse, but with the situation, there was fingers that jetted out like drainages that jetted out into this egg field. It was, it was a big, huge egg field, but there was fingers of cover that jetted out into the field. There were a couple like 150, 200 yards long. And then those drainages went into the main timber. And uh, I was like the perfect situation because this one bigger deer ran all the other little ones off. We sat there and watched this play out for like 15, 20 minutes. And what ended up happening in it, it was he pushed all the other little bucks off and then herded that one doe into the end of the drainage, like out in the middle of nowhere in this field, in this point. And with the wind, it was perfect for, for us to, uh, circle around and have the no or the wind right in our face and sneak up this drainage knowing that this buck and the doe were bedded out in this finger and uh honestly i i already had two bucks down and i was kind of waiting for my buddy to to take the opportunity like we were both him and han what should we do at camp and he never pulled the trigger on it so i was like ah screw it i'll go try it and i went and did a big loop around so they wouldn't see me and i got into that finger dude and i was it was only like it started out the finger itself was like 40 yards wide and it eventually just narrowed down to like 20, 10, and then a point of nothing. And then it's the field and out into the field, dude, there's 
it's just endless field. There was no cover in the, if going westward, there was no cover. So it was like literally the perfect situation. Like if I was Jared Scheffler, I would have been just clicking my heels, but I, I was kind of like a fish out of water situation. I lost my visual on this thing. I was very confident they were out there, but I just wasn't a hundred percent on it, you know? And I ended up circling way around and I snuck into this, uh, this finger and I got probably if it, if it, I would say it was like 200 yards long, the finger was, I was like 125 or 130 yards into it. And I hadn't seen the deer yet. And so they have to be like right in front of me, but I was, I was stood up against this tree, just kind of looking around, wasn't really sure what to do. And all of a sudden, like 40 yards in front of me, I don't know, she must've been bedded. This doe picked me off and like took a couple steps out in the field and already had me pinned and she ran out the other side and dude an absolute giant I, I never got to see the rack when he was first chasing around but this time I was only 40 yards away dude she went running out into this wide open field and an absolute giant went trailing right behind her and they they ran off into the main the main drainage of the timber like 200 yards away and disappeared and that was our morning of the first full day I just saw like, honestly, one of the, you know, top five biggest bucks I've ever seen while hunting. And, uh, yeah, yeah. In retrospect, I probably should have slowed down and, you know, made that one count, but, um, we spent the rest of the day scouting, uh, and found some more good looking sign, but, and you know, what's super cool there is I've personally never seen, uh, elk sign before. I've never hunted anywhere that there was elk, but in this particular area, uh, there's, there's a herd of elk there as well. And dude, I was on the second day I went in and scouted a uh, portion of this and up there, it's like a monoculture of, uh, oaks and the understory is miserable, dude. Like so thick with, with like invasive species of, uh, brush underneath that, it's like impenetrable and these deer actually travel a lot of the old, uh, and I just found this off the cuff while I was scouting, but these deer will travel these old grown in four wheeler trails and that sort of thing. Like uh, most of them aren't even used anymore, but they're, they're just open enough to where the deer can travel them way easier than this thick, nasty cover underneath. So it, it kind of narrowed them down. Like, and you could distinguish their trails easier. And, uh, on the second day, I ended up coming down and I found this little grove of pines and it was like an open swale of grass, like, uh, like a CRP field essentially. And, but there was, there was a grove of pines in there and there was rubs from these elk that started at like my head height and went up like eight feet high and looking at those, it was like, oh my God, <laughs> like I can, I never seen anything like it. I, I definitely see why people are into elk hunting now. Like I, that would be intense to do with a bow for sure. But it was super cool because those same pine trees, they were tore up with, with rubs from the elk. Those same trees had hanging down boughs and there's scrapes from whitetails on the same tree. Su super cool. But, uh, spent the rest of the day scouting, um, on the eighth, my buddy and I, and, uh, 
unfortunately what what was supposed to happen the next day was supposed to be like the perfect weather front just a just a falling out and there's going to be like a 10 15 degree drop but no precipitation is what it originally said but then once we like the day before it switched and all of a sudden it says oh we're going to get eight inches of snow in one day and up there it's just we were we were in no way prepared for that and and on top of that like everything is minimum maintenance roads up there it would have been a would have been a shit show if we would have stuck around so like unfortunately our six-day trip all of a sudden gets cut into three we had that we had this the next day so it would have been the ninth to hunt and uh we we're gonna pack up camp unfortunately and and cut it short oh yeah that night a vehicle issue like my jeep broke partially broke on me so um less than ideal but uh so we decided to hunt that first or that that one day we had one full day to hunt and based upon our day and a half of scouting we uh we just decided to both go to the best sign or the best situation that we found and and the very first place i scouted was the best sign i found and uh i went in there and decided i was just going to sit there all day because you know what do you got to lose you got one full day to hunt here and that was the best spot and i set up on what i thought was a primary scrape and you know maybe it wasn't quite as relevant being you know 9th of november is more of a chasing phase but on top of that it's kind of a pinch point in the ridge and and there it's it's not it's huge elevation change but they're ravines not not ridge tops you know so uh I ended up going and setting up in this bottom where I scouted on the first day and um, it was, it was pretty eventful, like right off the rip when I was setting up, I had a deer walk in and then I had had small bucks and does kind of chasing all morning. It was uh, pretty cool. But um, about 11 o'clock, that day I grunted in a small six pointer. That was pretty cool. He walked right under my tree and, um, from 11 o'clock until 4 PM, I didn't see anything. It was just dead in the middle of the day. And about four o'clock, uh, the wind died down a bit and it was pretty quiet in that bottom. I think my thermals were just rising because at four o'clock I saw movement up on the hill kind of, and all of a sudden like a commotion, a deer broke out and four does, ran down and stopped right in front of me. And, uh, the, unfortunately one of the does picked me off right away and she was not about it. She kind of head bobbed me for 10 minutes and the other three does were walking around in front of me. So I had like four deer within 40 yards of me, all four does. And they kept looking back and I didn't know, I was wondering what, what had bumped them because they had been standing there for like 10 minutes now. And, uh, I was sitting there with my bow in my hand and it was, like I said, it was pretty quiet in that bottom. I was sitting there just waiting, looking at these does and they were looking at me. So I could like hardly move. And then back off to the left, I could just hear like the, the indespicable step, 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 step. And it was like, Oh man. So I slowly, slowly peeked my head around while these does are all right here and already alert, you know, and this, eight pointer that I ended up shooting. He's just slow stepping, coming right in after these does. And he walks into like 
15 yards and he locks up and picks me off in the tree and I couldn't move. He was, he was locked onto me. The other does were, were sketched out. And I didn't think that I, I didn't, I definitely didn't think I was going to be able to pull this off because I thought as soon as I tried to draw those does were going to, were going to blow out of there. But uh, somehow the buck turned around and he was like stepping out to leave. And uh, I drew back and, squeezed off a shot through a nice little opening that I had and uh, hit him quartered away, went up into his vitals and uh, he ran off about, I don't know, he made it like 80 yards and tipped over. So um, I wasn't sure on that and I never really liked it. I don't even go grab my arrow, honestly. I think I'm just nervous to bump them if they're bedded close to me. So I always like, unless I see him tip over in sight, which never happens to me with a bow. I always just pack up and get out of there and give them a couple hours, no matter what. And uh, came back with my buddy a few hours later, and um, we couldn't find any blood. And I was confident because the ridge was so steep where he ran to. I was like, if I hit this thing vital, he wasn't going to go up that hill. So we just ended up going to the base of the ridge and walking the edge of the ridge and walked right up on him. So that... Uh, that was my third buck for the year. Nice, man. This is an incredible season. A lot of – you were all over the deer, and it seems like you were just going where your best odds were. And like you said, you weren't hunting kind of the bullshit days and mm-hmm. hunting the prime days, and it really paid off for you. And I think that's the big takeaway for me on this podcast is, you know, you kind of have the flexibility to hunt those best days. But, uh, you know, if a guy's – trying to you know pick and choose his days maybe he's got kids or he's trying to pick and choose his days with his wife those uh those best weather days are you need to be there for those and then the other days you can kind of be like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna stay home tonight but in two days i'm gonna go out you know kind of wheel and deal um mm-hmm. that might be something that i re- i'm gonna really try to focus on because a lot of times you're like man i just i just want to get out there i just want to get out there and you're probably wasting time on those non not as good days when you could be scouting seems like you're using the the not as good days to scout you know and then you had the weather front coming in now you're gonna hunt so i think that's the key takeaway from this um appreciate you coming on and telling your story man absolute badass season it's gonna be a hard one to top yeah Um, that's what i was thinking that many different states and that many different bucks uh let the listeners know where they can you know see the videos that you have and uh, where they can follow you on social uh well i guess first i'll say if you're uh if you're in the market to buy or sell residential real estate in minnesota get a hold of me at alex at moveminnesota.com and you want to follow me on social media my platform is uh on instagram you can follow my links from there but my instagram is deer underscore development and that's it nice man well appreciate you coming on and uh sharing the stories i know the listeners are gonna love this is the time of year where you want to, you know, reflect back on the seasons and see where, you know, it seemed like scouting and uh, picking the right days was the keys to the success this year. And then getting in there and, and setting up and going with your gut on where you wanted to set, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, three bucks, three states, just wham, bam, bam. Like I said, uh, I feel like a lot of this was hunting those prime days and all the scouting that he did um, before he was hunting to be successful. It was this absolute killer year. 
killed two solid bucks with a bow, one with a rifle, three different states. I mean, that's hard year to beat um, for anybody. Um, like I said, he does run a pretty good Instagram page. You can follow there. Um, if you are from the Minnesota, Wisconsin area, a lot of related content. We have a lot of listeners from up there. Um, like always, we appreciate you guys listening all the way to the end. We love you guys. Um, we're going to keep bringing the content to you. Hopefully, um, this is your best deer season ever, and you can have a season like Alex did this year. Uh, like always, try to do the right thing. Try to leave a legacy, and Whitetail Legacy is out. Until next week when we're coming in your ear holes. <laughs>